0: well hello and good morning it good morning oh thank you oh thank you thank you (laughs) thought I was by myself kidding uh good to see you all this morning lovely to worship with you thank you for those of you tuning in online my name is Shauna Boren and I'm one of the pastors here at Woodland Hills and it is just ah so good to be with you all today um I really do love our church community and how we show up for one another in all the various ways. We are currently in our Christmas series because it is Christmas time, you guys. It is December and it is Christmas time, and we are in week two of our Christmas series. Um, I know I have heard throughout the week, like, what happened to Revelation, and are we going to just drop that? No. Um, We are going to do our Christmas series because it is the Christmas season. And then, unless Jesus returns, we'll get back to Revelation after Christmas. (laughs) We'll see what happens. Who knows? All right. So the title of this series is called God is the Gift. And this series is all about looking at five attributes of God that Jesus fully embodied when he came as a baby, like Rob said, all those years ago. And Greg kicked us off last week with talking to us about the gift of God's justice. And we learned among many things, we learned that justice is about restoration and not revenge. We learned that justice is an application of God's love. And I wanna say a big thank you to Greg very publicly. I talked about this on the MuseCast and various spaces throughout the week on gathering groups and stuff, but he really did take one for the team introducing our Christmas series to you all, and he revealed that the series is based upon some Old Testament passages from the book of Exodus, and that was a little odd and strange for many. And then not only that, but he had to kind of get out of the way what we call the elephant in the room about some pretty harsh-sounding things within that passage. So I'm so thankful that Greg did that. He took one for the team, and now we just get to talk about all the good stuff. And so that was so kind of him. You guys should give him a hand for that. Yeah. hear it, Greg. They appreciate you. All right, like I said, the series that God, that God is the gift," is based on the following Old Testament passages found in Exodus chapter 34. "The Lord passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed, "The Lord the Lord. A God merciful and gracious." Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. I want to about that really fast. Okay. Greg dealt with that last week. And this passage, I know, was kind of odd for some, like I said, like Christmas, what are we doing here? But it really is significant and important, and I really believe that we're going to see why as we hang in there and just lean into these teachings over the next several weeks. This conversation between God and Moses starts with a very emphatic declaration by God, the Lord, the Lord, and it is followed by a powerful revelation of who God is his character, and how he is going to act, his intention. And it's important to remember that this conversation happens as kind of a reset, a do-over, because Israel had already broken covenant with Yahweh. They had already messed up. And so of particular interest is the timing of this conversation and of this declaration of God. This incredible statement This summary of who God is and what his character is all about is happening in a moment when he has every right to be deeply offended. He really does. His people had already messed up and betrayed him. And yet, we see God moving toward not giving up, not walking away, to reconcile the broken relationship. We really do see the heart of God for his people And so let's read a portion of that passage again. In this moment, when he had every right to be frustrated and upset and deeply offended, this is what God has to say. He says that he is the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This characterization of God, characterization of God is all about God in relation. And I find it really interesting that as he's like giving this huge grand summary of who he is and how he's going to relate to us, he doesn't give any attributes like all powerful or all knowing. He's not demanding or big in any way. No, but by character and definition, God is a God who always stands in relation toward the people. And that was unlike any other God that they had ever heard of or maybe even worshipped. What we see here in these passages is a declaration and an assurance that God is deeply committed to sustaining covenant relationship. Even when the other party is careless, and unresponsive. It's really powerful. And so today, we're going to look more closely at one of the ways in which God shows this steadfast commitment toward us. Today, we're going to be unwrapping the gift of God's forgiveness. And as you saw in the video beforehand, um, this is going to be a really, um, I think, helpful and hopeful message about this gift that God gives us. And I just want to thank our SIM students for reading that meditation and thank Dan Kent because he wrote it. It was just really cool. So God's um, gift of forgiveness is something that I think is something that uh, we can utilize and embrace and we're so thankful for. And you know, speaking of gifts, it is the Christmas season and I know that means that there are many kids, maybe some adults, who knows, that are very busy all around the world writing some very important letters to Santa. Um, And I came across one particular letter that I thought I would share with you all today. And no, I did not write it. This letter says, Dear Santa, I am writing this on the day after Christmas, and I am very sad. I only received one of the two presents I asked for. Since you ate my cookies, I'm going to assume that my missing gift was a mistake. I will give you one week to fix this. (laughs) Jeremy. (laughs) Uh, Maybe Jeremy's listening today, and he can learn about forgiveness and the real reason for this season. Um, But anyway, the gift of God's forgiveness. God says of himself that he is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness and that he keeps and sustains this steadfast love. And then he goes on to explain one way in which that plays out, and that is by forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. God is forgiving of iniquity and transgression and sin. This is God's very nature. And forgiving, as it's used here, literally means lift, So the context is to relieve the covenant violators of the burden of their violation, lifting that burden. Right before God talks about his abounding and steadfast love and faithfulness, he says that he is slow to anger. So Hebrew writing was very image-driven, and so when they heard the phrase there, it would have been long of nose. That's what they would have heard, and what that means is slow to anger. And just as they are very image-driven, many times as I'm reading and studying and praying, I too get images, and the image that came to mind for me in thinking about the fact that God is saying he's slow to anger was our dog, Finn. And, sorry, Finn, we said goodbye to him this week. It's okay. But Finn, when he was a puppy, he, um, <laughs> we just brought him home and we had to potty train him, the cute little thing. And so we did all of the things, you know, you have the pee pads along uh, the hallway on the floor and you take him outside and show him, this is your place where you get to do all the magical things. And then you give him a treat so that he knows he did good and he was a good boy and you bring him in. And like literally when he was a puppy, this was like every 10 minutes, okay, Finny, we're gonna And go outside. This is where you do your business. And you get a treat, and oh, you're such a good boy. And it really, really felt like it clicked. And we were so excited, and we're like, he's a dog genius. He's got it. Way to go, Finny. And then he looks at us and he just looks up with those big brown eyes of his and he just pees all over the couch. And I was like, you don't got it, man. (laughs) Let's do this again, slow to anger. That's the image that came to mind, (laughs) sweet Finney. But the picture here, uh, they would have heard long of nose. And so what that meant was, is that if someone was angry, that meant that their nose burned hot. Now I know none of you ever get angry Ever. But if you did, you might recognize that your face gets a little warm and you just your nose burns a little hot. So I've heard. That's what I've heard happens. I don't know. If someone was patient, that meant they were slow to anger, and they would describe that as it took a long time for their nose to get hot, hence the phrase long of nose. So besides this being an interesting vocab lesson, why does this matter? I think it matters because God is saying to Israel that he is slow to anger. He is saying that he's not going to get heated towards them. He is saying that he will work patiently with them. And I think this is a really helpful reminder for us today. Because one of the things we are big about around here at Woodland Hills is talking about our image of God. And that is so important, but I still think so many of us have an image of God that is angry. That is waiting to drop the boom whenever we mess up. And I'm just here to remind us all of what God said about himself in his declaration. He said that he is forgiving of iniquity and transgression and sin. And so I think forgiveness is at the very heart of the Christmas story, which proves that this is a Christmas text, which proves that we were all right all along and we were not off our rocker and trying to do this during Christmas time. If we look at Matthew chapter 1, we read in verses 18 through 21 this about the coming birth of the Messiah. Now the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, took place in this way. For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to literally be God with us. Jesus perfectly embodies all of the attributes of God found in Exodus 34. So when Yahweh declared that he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, and when he declared that he was forgiving, we know that Jesus is the full and perfect revelation of that for us today. We are all in need of his forgiveness. We all have fallen short and missed the mark, all of us have need of repentance. 1 John says that if we, have, if we say we have no sin, then we're deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's important, I think, to pay attention to the fact that at this pivotal moment of God declaring who he is and how he would relate to his people, he wanted them to know that he is a God that forgives. God is a God who forgives. And that means that we, you and I, today in 2023, can offer the darkest and ugliest parts of our life to him we can confess our sin and our brokenness. And out of his steadfast and abounding love for us, and out of his desire to be in loving relationship with us, he offers every single one of us the gift of his forgiveness. And for those of you who may be hearing this and saying, yeah, but Shauna, you don't know me, You don't know my business. You don't know the thoughts in my head. You don't know what I just did last night, last week, whenever. I'm probably the exception to that rule because uh, I'm not perfect. Well, that's all right, but I do believe God's talking to you as well. In fact, in his book, Repenting of Religion, Greg has a really wonderful quote about this very thing. He says that God's love does not start with an ethical ideal and then pronounce judgment. No, God doesn't start where he wishes we were, condemning us for what we are not. Instead, God starts where we actually are and then pronounces hope and patiently and graciously loves us into becoming what we can and what we, in fact, already are in Christ. So you're not perfect. Guess what? Neither is the person next to you, in front of you, behind you. Neither am I. Neither is Ruth. Neither is Rob. None of us are. That's not the goal. Because God says right where you are, right how you are, he loves you. And then he lovingly draws you closer to him so that we can fully realize and be who he already sees us as in Christ. So as we accept this gift of God's that is absolutely for you, as we accept this gift and we unwrap this gift, it's time to begin to use this gift, which means we need to share this gift. This is not a gift that we keep just for ourselves. We can be thankful for it. We can relish in it, the beauty of it, but it's not just for us. We need to give this gift away. And one of the ways we do that is by forgiving others. We're going to look at uh, some passages in Colossians that say, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. I want to spend some time unpacking the importance of forgiveness. Understanding, fully understanding that this can be a tricky topic for some. Knowing that there are many aspects of forgiveness that are greatly misunderstood. And I also want to acknowledge that the concept of forgiveness has been used in some damaging and demeaning ways. But this is such an important but also difficult subject. There have been tons of research and study and seminars all about forgiveness. That's how big it is. In fact, there was an Institute of Forgiveness There is currently an Institute of Forgiveness that was established in 1994 by a gentleman by the name of Robert Enright. He has his PhD. He's a licensed um, psychologist and a professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and he um, established the Institute of Forgiveness. That's how important this is. This is how big this is. This is how impactful forgiveness is for people. Psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or group that has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. As we're looking at this topic of forgiveness, I do think it's important to clarify a few things about what forgiveness is not. I think that's really important. So forgiveness is absolutely not excusing, it's not overlooking, forgetting, it's not condoning or trivializing the harm. Nor is forgiveness jumping to a premature or superficial reconciliation. In fact, experts who study and teach forgiveness make clear that when you forgive, you do not gloss over, or deny the seriousness of the offense that was made against you. Forgiveness is also not about finding excuses for the offending person's behavior or pretending that it didn't happen. So let's talk a bit about what forgiveness is and why it matters. Why does it matter spiritually for us? And physically and mentally, this is something that really does matter Because anyone who has suffered a grievous hurt knows that when our inner world is badly disrupted, it's difficult to concentrate on anything other than our turmoil and our pain. And so what forgiveness does is it empowers us to recognize that pain that we've suffered without letting the pain define us. And that opens the door for healing. Forgiveness brings peace of mind, and it frees you from corrosive anger, because when we hold on to hurt, we are emotionally and mentally and spiritually hobbled, and other areas in our life and other relationships in our life can become collateral damage because of this anger that we're holding on to. The deeper the hurt you have experienced, the more important it is to go through a process of being able to forgive. Not to excuse, not to dismiss, but just to release. There's a huge difference there. In my studying and research this week, I came across this organization called the Friendship, I mean, I'm sorry, the Forgiveness Project. This organization collects and shares stories from both victims and perpetrators of crime and conflict who have rebuilt their lives following hurts and trauma. And these were truly impactful stories, and there were just a couple of little standouts that I want to share with you. One person commented, For me, forgiveness started with first forgiving the system, then forgiving my mom, and eventually forgiving myself. Another person shared, In the end, forgiveness released me from the hate that was consuming me. Another another comment that really stuck out uh, to me um, said, Forgiveness became the vehicle I used to stay within my own humanity. That was powerful. Letting go of the bitterness and the anger, letting go of that so that they could remain Uh, within their own humanity. Research over the past few decades has revealed enormous personal benefits to forgiveness. Forgiveness protects our mental health, it improves um, depression and anxiety, it increases hope, it improves our, our health, because what they have found is that when we dwell on grudges, our blood pressure and our heart rate spike, and that's not good. I'm not saying that forgiveness is easy, And I'm not saying it's something to be taken lightly, but what I am saying is that we can take our pain, we can take our hurt, we can take the awful memories and we can release them to Jesus. We can hand it all over to him. When struggling to forgive, it can be helpful if we can at least tap into some kind of empathy. Greg has talked about this before, Uh, we know, that studies have shown that empathy is connected to forgiveness and that it's an important step in the process. And again, knowing that this isn't easy, and, and actually the person who hurt you may not care that they hurt you, they may not want your forgiveness, may not think they did anything wrong, but this is about you taking care of your heart. Um, and so I think it's important to tap into that empathy, and, and it helps if you can you know, maybe examine some details in their life um, maybe see why uh, the wounds that they carry are are being spilled out over onto others. Uh, My mom used to always tell me and when I was dealing with difficult people in my life that hurting people hurt people. And so again, we're not trying to excuse anything, but if we can just tap into some empathy and see the person that has hurt us as someone who is hurting and wounded and is acting out of that hurt and wound, that can help in the process. Most times, we cannot forgive without help because it's not easy. Many times, it does take prayer and counseling, sometimes therapy, for sure community, and absolutely the strength of the Holy Spirit. The final thing I want to say about forgiving others is this. That though forgiveness can repair a damaged relationship, it doesn't obligate you to reconcile with the person who harmed you. It's not an obligation. And it absolutely doesn't obligate you to release that person from accountability. I want to just say that reconciliation is not always possible, maybe because they're no longer in your area, in your vicinity, maybe they've passed on, I don't know. And um, reconciliation isn't always safe. So it's important to pay attention to that. And so forgiveness is simply the act of releasing that person and that situation to God. That's what we're talking about here. We're not mandating that you just you know, bring everyone back into the fold and everything's fine and normal. Nope, we're just saying that that to forgive means that you are releasing that person you're releasing that situation to God. There is this really cool uh, description of boundaries that I found when I was studying this week. And I think as we're talking about whether or not reconciliation is possible, I just wanna remind us all that boundaries are okay. If boundaries are what keeps you safe and if what boundaries are what are needed in a situation, I just wanna uh, reiterate that that is okay. And this uh, definition says that boundaries are in fact the distance at which I can love you and love myself simultaneously. The distance at which I can love you and love myself simultaneously. So we've looked at the gift of forgiveness as it, it happens for us. And then we've looked at what we do with this gift of forgiveness as we share it with others. But there is one more aspect of this gift that I think that we need to acknowledge, and that is the gift of forgiveness that we give to ourselves. We need to stop beating ourselves up sometimes. I'm not talking about not caring when you do wrong. I'm not talking about not being accountable. Um, I think it's important to recognize the wrong that we've done. I think it's vital to repent. I think it's important to do the work to be better to face consequences, but what I'm talking about is is when we've done all of that and we're still beating ourselves up and we think we're unworthy, we think we're nothing, we think we're never going to get it right, we're just going to keep stumbling and falling and failing, we need to practice some self-forgiveness. We need to condemn the lie that says we are not worthy I have really struggled with self-forgiveness, especially ever since I became a mom. It is so hard to love children in a way that you don't hurt or damage them sometimes, you know? Like, I just feel like I, just, everything is just so vital and so important. I remember one time, you know, my kids are older now, so I've got two in college, and I've got two in high school, and it doesn't get easier. I still find moments when I feel guilty of, did I say the right thing, or did I listen in the right way, or did I misunderstand them, or am I not you know, um, releasing them enough, or am I, you know, not holding on too much? It's just, it's a lot. And I remember one time when my two oldest boys were in elementary school, and we had had a frazzled, frantic morning, didn't go well, pretty sure I wasn't very patient. And I just remember dropping them off at school and just being like, ugh, and then driving home, and then I just felt awful. I felt so bad. And so I turned around, went to the school, pulled him out of class and said, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And I know that was the right thing to do, but I still beat myself up for it. What kind of a mother has to go and pull her kids out of class to apologize? Like, it can be this vicious cycle. It's one thing to like, okay, Shauna, this is where we need to change, this is what we need to do. We need to apologize, we need to repent, we need to work on ourselves, but that's, that's good to do, but to continually berate and beat up ourselves that's not okay. It's not okay. So whatever it is, whoever's out there, I don't think this is just for me. If it is, thank you, Lord. But I don't think it's just for me. I think that there are others out there that are just so hard on themselves. You just don't give yourself a break. And this gift of forgiveness is meant for you to use for yourself as well. So let's go back to some research. Enough about me. People who walk in the habit of forgiving themselves tend to have better physical and mental health. When we accept the gift of God's forgiveness and we turn that gift inward on ourselves, we are honoring the truth of what God says about us. When we accept that we have been forgiven and we walk in that forgiveness, and we give that forgiveness of others, and then also turn that in on ourselves, we are actually honoring God with the truth that he says about us. In fact, I think it's really not possible for us to really know and fully lean into God's mercy and compassion for us at the same time as we are being hard-hearted towards ourselves. If we are really acknowledging and leaning into and accepting God's mercy and compassion for us, we cannot be hard-hearted toward ourselves. I'm going to read to you another quote from Greg's Repenting of Religion. And this is about our forgiveness of others, yes, and also of ourselves. Leaning into the truth of what God says about us. It says, God's love is merciful so must our love be. If even God does not hold his rightful knowledge of good and evil over us in judgment, but rather loves us where we are, how much less can we, who are sinners, hold our stolen and illegitimate knowledge of good and evil over one another or even over ourselves?" How much more should we rather extend mercy and love to one another and to ourselves? This gift of God's forgiveness is for you because that's who he is. That is his nature. That is his character. It is for us to share and to forgive others. With the help of the Holy Spirit, with people around us supporting us, with wisdom forgiving others and it is also to turn onto ourselves and to forgive ourselves and stop beating ourselves up and living under the lie that tells us that we're not good enough this christmas season as we reflect upon our place before this glorious god who is so beautiful and so loving and as rob put earlier today is on a rescue mission for our hearts Our place before this God who is merciful and gracious, who is slow to anger, who is abounding and steadfast, which means loyal, love and faithfulness, who is forgiving. That is the God that we stand before. That God is bursting, bursting with compassion and love for you and is offered to us this gift of forgiveness. And so, as we close out today, I would love for you to close your eyes and imagine opening this gift carefully, joyfully, opening this gift and recognizing, wow, this gift of this God is for me. And this gift for me is also going to help me to share this gift with others. And not only am I going to share this gift with others, I'm going to share some of it for myself. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you that you empower us and embolden us to forgive others. And we thank you for eyes to see when we need to forgive ourselves. I know that forgiveness is not simple, I know it's not a one-time event, and then you move on. This is a lifestyle that we are to adopt and adapt into our lives, but sometimes we need help. Luckily for you, we have prayer partners that would love to pray with you if you have any issues around forgiveness, Maybe receiving God's forgiveness. Maybe you're still in that place of not feeling like you're worthy, or that you still see Him as an angry God who's ready just to lower the boom anytime you mess up. Maybe you're having a, tr- a trouble con- um, convincing yourself that you need to con- um, forgive someone else because of the hurt that they've done. That is absolutely valid. And maybe you need help forgiving yourself. I don't know, but I really encourage you not to leave with that burden. Remember, lift. (laughs) That's what we're all about, lifting the burden. And so allow our prayer partners to pray with you. And if you're tuning in online, we have prayer folks that will absolutely pray with you as well. Dan and I will discuss this a little bit more on Tuesday afternoon on the MuseCast. We'll go a little deeper and bring up some other points and have some discussion about it and answer some questions. Another great way to kind of work this out and and just, you know, talk about this more is through our gathering groups, and those happen throughout the week. There's one tonight, and there's One's here on Monday, and there's some Tuesday and some Wednesday, and so this is all about folks getting together from all over the world discussing these sermons, and they are really helpful as you begin to process what you're hearing and what you're learning, what you're struggling with. We just want you to engage this stuff, continue to learn to love together, And just know that this gift of God's forgiveness is for you, and it is for today, and it is for you to use, and it is for you to share, and it's for you to embrace for yourself. All right? Amen, amen, amen. Thank you guys so much. Have a great day.